morning. Uh, it's a real privilege to speak today as part of our summertime series on the Psalms. Um, and as Steve said, I'm Chris Fulton. Uh, I came to Oxford in uh, 2004. I came along to OCC for the first time as a student, and I've been here ever since. Uh, and I arrived in Oxford to study physics and philosophy, and my best friend was my synthesizer. Um, and uh, it's fair to say that a lot has changed in 16 years here in Oxford. Um, I, I've grown up. Now I have three synthesizers. Uh, and, and I can just about hold eye contact with people when I'm having a conversation. So students, there is hope for you yet. Uh, and then actually, today is a real, real treat because uh, it's the second Sunday in a row where we get to hear the psalms from someone in the worship team. If you missed last week Emmanuel Omuaderiai talking about the power of praise in every situation, whether good or bad, and the difference that that makes, then I, I wholeheartedly encourage you to go to our website and check it out because it was faith-filled and it will do you good. Um, our text today is Psalm 103, and you'll find it right in the middle of your Bible. Uh, and uh, luckily, I'm ably assisted this morning by many in the worship team and their families uh, who are uh, going to help us by reading it aloud. And I, I said to them, please use whatever creativity you would like in reading out this psalm. So get yourselves ready and let's dive in to Psalm 103. Let's go. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west. So far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass, he flourishes like a flower in a field. For the wind passes over it and it is gone, and its place knows it no more.
to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Thank you, team. What a wonderful group of people they are. And uh, what's going on here? Uh, This is a psalm of King David. It might say in your Bible, of David, just underneath the title. And it's a psalm of worship. In fact, it's, it's often referred to as the archetypal psalm of worship. If you want to look for a psalm that's a hymn of praise to God, this is one of the ones that you go to. Um, you might recognize a large number of the, uh, the lines from songs that we sing on a Sunday morning. And David is an expert in worship. He grew up playing the harp in the fields and practicing day and night uh, where he tends his sheep. And then he gets promoted through a series of wonderful stories. If you don't know the story of David, go and read it. Find it in your Bible and read it through. It's incredible. Right through to his old age as king of Israel. Um, And he's described as a man after God's own heart. He knows a thing or two about worship. And I want to draw out just a couple of things that David has to teach us here about that. And the first is we bless God when we worship. And the second is our worship gets halted by lies and enriched by truth. So first off, we bless God when we worship. The first line says, bless the Lord Oh, my soul. And when we stop and think about it, that might seem like a bit of a confusing thing to say and a confusing place to start. Is it right that we can bless God? I mean, what does that even look like? And the first thing to think about here is that it's obviously not the same way that God blesses us. What do we think that we might have to give God that he doesn't already have? Is there maybe, I don't know, some sort of odd job in heaven that needs doing that God can't really be bothered to do himself or that it would bless God? Could you help me with a sunrise tomorrow? That's not how it is. Everything good that we have comes from him in the first place. There's a torrent of blessing already flowing, and it's all going one way. The idea that we could bless God in the same way that he blesses us, is a, it's a little bit like we find ourselves standing at the bottom of the Niagara Falls with a bucket, and we're trying to pour water, put, throw water back to where it's come from. It just doesn't make sense. It's a bit ridiculous. So it must be different. And the clue, the key to unlocking how we bless God comes right in the middle of this psalm. And it's verse 13. And it says, As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Like a father looks at his child and says, 
you bless me. Uh, even though we, we're like little children, we, we provide nothing and we take everything, but still our Father looks at us and says, you bless my heart. Uh, when I was growing up, I had a dog, uh, a neurotic Labrador called Fergus. Um, and I think it would be safe to say that Fergus provided very little that our household really needed. And everything had to be provided for him. So someone had to take him for walks. And someone had to feed him. And someone had to clean up after him. And someone had to go to the local farmer and apologize for his little indiscretion with the sheepdog, and it, everything had to be done for him. But, but I could look at this rather dumb animal and say, you blessed my heart. We had a relationship, and it wasn't a transaction. So we bless God in our worship, but there are things that make us think that we don't. Our wor worship gets halted by lies and enriched by truth. What do I mean by that? Well, the first thing that David says after he says, bless the Lord, O my soul, he begins with, forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases. Why is our iniquity, our sin, why is that the first thing that David mentions once he started to say, I'm blessing the Lord, I want to bless the Lord in worship? The first thing he comes to is his sin. And it's because he needs to remind himself, forget not, forget not all his benefits. He easily forgets that his sin has been forgiven. This morning we... We, we heard Steve talk about the reality of the forgiveness of our sins, and I hope it did us good to remind ourselves that our sin is forgiven, because how easy is it for us to forget? This is his journey into worship. This is David's journey into worship. The first thing that confronts him is his sin, his inadequacy. And James 3, verse 9 to 10 in the New Testament says, with our tongue, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. The temptation when we reach this point in worship is to stop and be reminded of our inadequacy. Now, David doesn't say that the solution to this is to be without sin. He doesn't say, well, you've ruined it this week. Come back next week when you've lived a more moral life, when you've made fewer mistakes, when you haven't made any mistakes. Well, if we did that, it would be a while before we come to worship. It's not the sin that stops us worshiping. It's us not believing that the sin is forgiven. It's us believing in a lie. I want to share some of what goes on in me when I come to worship. What are the first things that confront me, just like what David does? My personal worship journey, my journey into worship, began actually well before I knew God. 
um, I've been involved in music for most of my life. Um, and here's a picture of me uh, as uh, a very young uh, me learning to play the violin, starting to play the violin, and that's my dad accompanying me on the piano. Now, I can't remember what I was playing or exactly what year it is, although I imagine I might be able to date it potentially by the sheer amount of denim that you see there. Uh, I'm pretty sure, though, that I'm at a level where I still need little stickers on my violin to know where to put my fingers. And I also know that beginning to play the violin is not, how do we say, uh, it's not a beautiful sonic experience. It's a bit more like a strangled cat. And anyone who's shared a house with a beginner violinist is going to be nodding and agreeing vehemently with me right now on this live stream. And say amen in the comments if, you've, uh, if you can identify with beginner violinists. I'm pretty sure, though, that in this picture, all of my focus in that moment as an immature musician will have been on getting the notes right, not making mistakes, making a sound that impresses my dad. I'm assuming, in my, in my childish ways, I'm assuming I'm a performer and that I'm being judged and if I'm not careful, this carries through into my worship. Was it okay? Is my worship enough? Is my Father God happy with my worship? Was it a good enough sound? To assume that my worship is a performance that God is judging. To even go further and say to assume that my life is a performance that my Father God is judging. Now that is going to slam the brakes on my worship because it's not the truth. It's a lie that I'm being judged for my performance. It's a lie that my sins aren't forgiven. David says it. It's a lie that my life isn't redeemed and it hasn't been crowned with love and mercy. The truth is that as far as the east is from the west, that's how far judgment is from God's heart when we come to worship. When we come to worship and we say, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, God looks at me and sees a child who blesses his heart, who he's proud of. He's not worried about whether I'm getting the notes right, whether I'm making any more mistakes than usual this week or last week or next week. And, and actually, my own dad, when I look back at this picture with, with the view that David has given me in this psalm, what's the thing that strikes me about that? He's in the picture. He's with me. He's enjoying spending time with his kid making music. In fact, I'd even go further and say, there's no way he could be judging me because I was probably making a really awful racket. And if there was judgment in his ears and in his heart, he couldn't probably stand to be in that room. He's there, he's with me. And that is more than enough that we need to know that we're not being judged. In the same way, I want to say this. I want to say God has absolutely loved 
your lockdown worship. Uh, he's in the picture all the way through. Uh, every tiny thing you've done. And, and I, as the worship team leader, as the worship pastor of this church, I want to say I am proud of our lockdown worship. It's been wonderful knowing that we've carried on worshipping in our homes. And I'm sure there's been some wrong notes here and there. There have been maybe sharp words amongst our families or our housemates or our colleagues on the, when we get to the second hour of the Zoom call and our patience wears thin. But God has been in the picture the whole time and he is blessed. So when we believe in lies about who we are as performers, that gets in the way of us blessing God. The solution that David embraces in this psalm to say over and over the truth of who we are, the truth of who God is, rather than believe the the lies. The psalm is full of this truth. He works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He's merciful. He's gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Helena started us off this morning and reminded us of all the ways that we can talk about the truth of who God is and all the ways we can remind ourselves and enrich our worship and get over the lies, the lies that are sometimes more comfortable to say than the truth. As we start to bring things to a close, I want to talk about our new season of worship. Um, We're entering a new time from next Sunday when worship is going to feel strange. Uh, We've got an opportunity to put all these things to the test. Do we really believe that our worship blesses God? Are there lies about ourselves or lies about God that we need to dispel with some truth? We won't be able to sing together. That's our usual way of saying truth together about God. But we can definitely still enter into true worship. Actually, I think it's going to cost us more to do that. And that is going to bless God's heart even more. And King David, this expert worshipper in 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 24, he says, I will not offer a sacrifice to the Lord my God, which costs me nothing. Well, that's a word for us, church, that we're entering, to, entering into a season which might cost us just a little bit more, but God's heart is going to be blessed Just because we're not singing in this new season doesn't mean it's not worship. We might feel like if it's not being led by a worship leader with a guitar and a song and a band, that it can't be worship. But if it's it's coming against judgment and expressing truth, then it's doing us good and it's blessing God. And that is worship. And it's blessing him. I also, I don't think I'm alone in having a strong sense from God about this next season, that it's going to be a new day. It's coming and it's exciting. Um, 
And it's about this word, this tiny word in this psalm, my. Bless the Lord, O my soul. We're entering a season when we as individuals take ownership of our worship. It might have been enough up until now to come to church and expect to be led by a leader, a band, someone on the stage. But it's your worship that your Father God is going to be blessed by. Now we get to worship for ourselves. We get to say to our own souls, bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. Uh, We get to spur each other on, on live streams and in our households and in person. And finally, finally, the last paragraph of Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word. As we have lost the ability to sing, it would not surprise me if God sends angels to join in our worship, to make up for the lack of what we don't have. Let's expect that we're joining with the heavenly hosts on all creation and everything that God has made in blessing his heart. Let's not see this next season as a lack, as a muzzle on our worship, but a chance to enter into higher worship, deeper worship, more expansive worship. And I'd like to pray now, and as the band come up and they're going to lead us and help us to kind of make this a prayer for us, I want to pray for us in our homes today as you're tuning into this live stream. By your Holy Spirit, Lord, would you bring us into a new season of worship, characterized by truth and not lies? Would we know deep down in the core of our being that our worship blesses you, our Heavenly Father, that you are in the picture and that you are not judging us as a performer? Would we know the truth of who you are and the truth of who you've made us to be. And Lord, I pray that you would start to bring in this next season a knowledge that we're joining with heavenly choirs of angels, that our silence would not be a lack of praise, but it would be an opportunity to join in with great, great worship, the kind of worship that Uh, that the earth and the Lord's creation brings, that we join in with. And there's a song that Helena is is, going to lead us in with the band. And, And I encourage you to make this a prayer for our next season, for next week, the 30th of August, when we're meeting here, and continuing throughout this next term and this next coming time of worship. Lord, I pray that you would make us worshippers after David's own heart.